Hey there! For me, back in the day, having a side hustle was all about needing to make more money. And that meant getting a second real job, either in retail or some MLM thing. Yeah, that stuff is still an option, but you've got so much more to choose from these days. I've got a new little workbook that outlines 13 easy to start side hustles in the event that you want a second job but aren't sure where to start. These 13 options offer flexible hours, work when you can or need to, and won't cost much to get started. Plus, they're fun, so they won't be a drag or a burden to do when you need a little extra cash. And some can even turn into evergreen, passive income once they are created. There's activities that you can do in order to see whether each of these things is good for you, so why not get your hands on this bad boy right now? Make some extra dough this year without making yourself crazy and pick up 13 easy to start side hustles at chrismcpeak.com forward slash free goodies. Now let's dig into this week's exciting, enticing, and extravagantly fabulous new episode. Struggling to balance a side hustle with your job in higher education can be a real bummer. I'm your host, Chris McPeak, and I help career professionals in higher education make time for their side hustle so they don't waste their potential. If you're ready to think outside the box about your time and truly do all of the things, then tune in now because you've got side hustle. Okay, everybody. Thank you once again for tuning in and downloading this week's episode of God Side Hustle. I am chatting today with a dynamic and fantastic higher education faculty member from the great state of Colorado. Welcome to the show, Tamara Yakabaski. Thanks, Chris. I'm excited to be here. So let's talk a little bit about what you do in the day job. So what does a, what does a professor of higher education do from nine to five and beyond? Yeah, I think the and beyond sounds more fitting than the nine to five, right? (laughs) Well, you know, one of the things I love about being uh, a faculty member is uh, when I get bored, I can kind of change what I do a little bit. So I'm always revising and tweaking my classes, my research agenda, my service commitments. Um, But ultimately, it's all about uh, supporting and preparing the next generation of administrators and scholars um, who are going to help prepare the next generation of students, right? So it's right. this beautiful cycle, um, ongoing cycle. Awesome. And how how long have you been in the industry, if you want to call it an industry? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've been a professor, a faculty member for 14 years, which I actually counted to get ready for this. Um, and then I went, holy crap, that's a long time. Uh, But before that, I was actually a student affairs administrator Mm -hmm. through grad school at the University of Arizona. So I did um, college union type work back back then. Um, So, yeah, it's been a couple decades. Wow. Of higher ed stuff. Yeah, it it the time goes by so fast. <laughs> First, we're living on campus. And then the next thing you know, you're getting your PhD. <laughs> yeah. In yeah. some cases, um, what what made you choose um, to get your terminal degree in higher ed? Yeah, uh, so great question. Um, I loved, I think like many higher ed people, I loved being on a college campus mm-hmm. um, and I love the energy and uh, it, there is so one, my top strength is lifelong learner is so is learner. So higher education has always been the perfect environment for me. Um, and it was not one that I grew up in. Um, I grew up like rural, uh, 
kind of working class. So when I got to higher education, I'm like, I love this space. Yes. Um, so I, for grad school, I went to get my master's and then loved it. So I just stayed and I started working full-time at the university of Arizona and I could also then get my, my PhD. So it was kind of this perfect blend of like, I get to stay in school forever. Yes. Uh, yes. I, cause I'm one of those, I'm one of those people. I love staying in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. And it's the, well, I guess, I mean, I could take courses at the community college. It's where I work. It's complicated how to enroll for classes and get your, you know, your disbursement. Um, mm. but I, I worked at Arizona state for two and a half years and I took film classes oh. there just for, for playtime. And it was, it was so much fun. I loved, yeah. uh, I loved being back in the classroom and, and learning and participating. And I, but I found though, I turned into one of those, um, those annoying non-traditional students who's always raising their hand because they have something to say. Um, but it, it was so, yeah, it was delightful. I miss, I miss Oh yeah. I mean, that's me. That's like, I've taken Spanish over the last few years. I'm like, I need to get some refreshers. I'm going to go back and I'm going to retake all my Spanish classes. And yeah, yeah, I was the, you know, the, the 40 year old in class with the 18 year olds, right. Uh, right. being the one person talking to the professor. Right. <laughs> it's so I'm fun. Like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> yes. It's so true. Okay. Well, let's talk about your side hustle. So what are you doing yeah. on the side when you're not teaching? Yeah. So I started, um, a life coaching business, um, almost two years ago. Um, and I work a lot with, uh, predominantly women identified folks. Um, and doc students is one of my populations. Um, I really got into this. I mean, my day job is also grad students, but so my, my side gig is also doc students because I really got into this idea of like, I wanted over the last few years, I have wanted to help transform our like paradigm shift, how we do graduate education Okay. Um, so I started to do some of that in my courses and my advising of my day job. And then I found like that wasn't enough. Um, I wanted to keep doing that on a broader scale of really shifting from like advising to coaching, helping people, um, integrate like their purpose in life and their calling and their values in with their career development and their research agenda because I'd had too many students graduate and feel dissatisfied or disconnected to what they did. And like, you can't put in all that time and then be like, eh, I don't know about this anymore. Right. Right. Um, that's not like how we're going to live our impact. Um, so I wanted to start doing that on a broader scale and sort of really just shift like this traditional, very like capitalistic, I don't know, masculine patriarchal values of grad, you know, honestly, higher ed, uh, and graduate education. So I wanted to start shifting that. So I started doing that in my coaching, um, as well. And then I also work with, um, kind of, I guess, mid career, um, you know, like that 30 to 50 ish range of women who, you know, they went to grad school, they started doing stuff, And then I'm like, but that's not who I am anymore. Like, that's not my purpose. I, and so helping them transition to like the next level of what they want in life. And really, again, it's back to like revisiting that purpose. Mm -hmm. Like what's your purpose now? Cause our purpose changes. Um, 
And, you know, you don't want to live in res life. You don't want to be 40 with kids living in res life. I mean, most people don't, maybe some do. Um, And you probably don't even want to work the 60 hour work weeks that I think student affairs and higher ed really mm, promotes, I guess (laughs) would be the nice way to say it. Let me, I was going to say require, but I like promote promotes really. Uh, Yeah. Very nice. Um, <laughs> but that voluntold thing. And so like helping, helping people re-envision the life that they want again, right? Like just, I love this constant, like we're constantly transitioning and transforming what we want. And yeah. like really this idea of like rewriting the rules. Higher ed has so many rules. We yeah. follow them. We are socialized. We learn them. Most of us probably are in grad school because we're good at the rules and good at the system. And then at some point we're like, I'm done. Yeah. This is not what I signed on to do. No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, we share the same brain in a lot of ways. I, I had, I have this theory, I think that when the last of the boomers are, are out of upper management, upper, upper management. I have a, I have a feeling that some of the Gen Xers and the really, really early millennials are going to steer that ship a little bit because I'm assuming you and I are are pretty close in age. So the Gen Xers, like we're the ones that have tended to care the most about work-life balance. And so I I'm holding this, this optimistic theory that there will be that, that change somehow that, that somebody Mm -hmm. up there will start steering the ship and saying like enough already, like go home at five it's all going to be okay. And yeah. And if you are that person that has to work that on-call shift and then you wind up, you know, at a hospital and calling a parent that it's okay to take half of the next day off. And, and I'm looking, I I'm excited about the day when that happens. Cause I'm, I think it's going to happen. Um, it just didn't happen when you and I were living on, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, in the interesting thing about the work-life balance is I think we're also in the, of the generation where, we were also probably told by the generation before us that we could like have it all. Mm-hmm. So, so there's this, this yeah. like dichotomy of like, have it all, which means really do it all. Yes. But also balance. And then, so we get to this, like, I don't know about you, but for me, it was like four or so years ago, like, lit- like literally this breakdown, right? This physical stress induced emotional breakdown of like, I can't keep doing it all anymore. Like my body is literally screaming at me through like herniated disc in my neck of like, stop. Yeah. Um, And so then I had to really figure out, okay, well, what now? And then what now in a culture um, that benefited from my 60 hour work weeks? And now I'm like, no, 40, Uh maybe. Yeah. And that's a lot. Yeah. Exactly. Well, let me, let me ask you this, and maybe it's just the culture of where I'm currently working, but I had done a, I had done a a work life balance workshop for our flex day. Um, And I would say one of the sessions was predominantly faculty members. And I, you know, I was talking to them about, you know, how to create a morning routine, how to use your lunch Mm -hmm. hour and, and this type of thing. And what, what I kept hearing consistently over and over again, is that, that there's not enough time in an eight hour workday to, to like, correct papers and read assignments and do grading. And I, I was trying to pull my brain about like how that could happen. And well, can't you talk to so-and-so about this? Or can't you talk to so-and-so about that? Is that accurate for the majority of faculty members? Or is that something that's just maybe unique to the community college or a California thing? I don't know. 
Yeah. You know, I've often thought about, uh, you know, community colleges, I'm at um, kind of more of a regional research university, so not like a, a top tier kind of thing. And I would say there is, you know, the bulk of the institutions doing the bulk of education have high workloads. Yeah. So, you know, this is the conversation I've been having over the last few years. So I've also been a department chair. Uh, I've recently stepped away from that. Um, And so I talked to a lot of people about like, you just actually can't do more, nor should you. And so yeah. at some point there, there is a limit. And my worry with higher education right now for the not well-funded institutions, maybe community colleges, maybe um, other, other types like mine, um, is that there is a pressure and a need to do more because of budgets and COVID and all of these things. Yeah. But people are just burnout mm-hmm. beyond burnout. Like, like what is the next level of burnout? I don't know what we call that. Like it's probably uh, death. <laughs> well, or, you know, or, like, or psychiatric, uh, psychiatric help. Absolutely. Um, and I think that we're going to see, or we already have seen like a mass exodus of some really amazing folks because they just can't keep doing more. Yeah. Um, and so I do really worry about the next five to 10 years ripple effect of these places and the, of these folks doing this really amazing work yeah. uh, of access and equity. And yet you just can't keep doing more. Right. Yeah. I feel you. It, it, it is. It seems like the things that were, the things that were the big deal when, when we were in college, like as an RA, you were always stressed out if you got the suicidal ideation session behind closed doors. And now like, that's the easy one because you also have to do an active shooter one and you have to do, um, you know, the vice squad is coming to raid your hall. I mean, those, those types of things are happening more on campus now than, than we would care to. And so I don't know if it's just, are those things happening more? Are they more, are we more aware of them? Like, what's your, what's your take on that? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that the demands and the crisis mode is much higher now than when I started in higher ed. And when, even when I started as a faculty member 14 years ago, Mm -hmm. my conversations with students are so different than now. I mean, now over the last few years, part of my side hustle uh, has been infusing that work into my coursework because I found that students need to learn how to reflect. They need to learn mindfulness. I mean, oh, I yeah. would experiment with, you know, visual meditations and gu- our guided meditations and uh, mindfulness activities and in-class reflections, um, in-class creativity work. I mean, so back when pre-COVID, when we were in person, like, yeah, we, I would teach students finger knitting. So we would sit there and finger knit so that they could have open, honest conversations about, you know, their emotions through hard things, because if we don't role model this for them, they're going to burn out within a couple of years in the profession because of all the things you're saying, right? The pressures. Yeah. And because in an eight hour day, I would tell them you have to build in reflection into your day. And they're like, no, I can't. I'm in back to back meetings. I'm like, we got to protect your time. And you got, we have to do these things, right. For your well being, Yes. And your ability to serve others. 
right? It's that, it's that saying on an airplane of, um, you know, when the oxygen mask drops, put it on yourself first yes. before you assist others. And yet the demands are increasing so much and we're not limiting workloads or impact, you know, like these things. So yeah, we've really got, we have to do a shift. I really hoped that the pandemic was actually, an, this is kind of weird to say, an opportunity to make that kind of a yes. shift at the beginning. Yeah. A year later, I am less hopeful right now, honestly, with what I've been seeing. I'm sure some places though are, but uh, I'm not hearing a lot of focus on well-being and like scaling back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be a shame for it to turn into, so we've saved all this time now and we've made all these processes easier to do online. So let's try to do more as opposed to, this is a great way now for us to, you know, respect the, the well-being and the, and the needs of our, our teams um, mm-hmm. in order to make them more able to serve these, these higher level needs that, that students are, are coming to school with. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a different episode altogether right there. <laughs> Um, that's, that's a course. That's one of your courses, I'm sure. So let's segue a little bit to talking about what your strategies are to, to balance and manage all of the things. So do you have some special strategies or, or tricks that you use in terms of like keeping the eight hour workday where it is, and then, you know, engaging in this amazing side hustle that you're, that you've got? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's probably similar to a lot of people, of. Uh, uh, you know, time blocks on my week. I have, uh, I think I counted four different notebooks and an online calendar, right? So I've got, you know, (laughs) one notebook is my morning journaling, like brain dump. One is my coaching journal. Uh, one is my, uh, business notebook and, you know, then like a weekly calendar of my to do. So like, it's, whatever your, your thing is, right? Like I'm both online and handwritten kind of Mm -hmm. thing. So it's just like, and they're all different colors too. So it's like lovely. You've got a model, whatever our thing is. Right. (laughs) Um, there's, so there's some of that, you know, the, the, the block, the time blocks in my calendar. Um, also for me, it's a little bit easier in the sense of a lot of my topics can overlap. So some of the things I'm doing, In my day job, I'm also talking to folks um, in my side hustle, or it becomes a blog post, or you know, like I'm doing some free doctoral workshops over the next couple months because they're conversations I've been having in my day job or I've been yeah. doing in class, and so I'm just doing them kind of additionally outside to uh, serve people. Um, having an accountability buddy, I have a person that we email once a week of like, okay, what are your three priorities? How did that go? How's it going? You know? So like, That's I think there are great. little pieces like that. Is that your accountability helps. buddy, like a colleague or a friend, or is it somebody that you, you met off the, off your current college's grid? Off my current, uh, the person is also in higher ed okay, um, and has a side hustle as well. Great. Um, so we can kind of relate, you know, when they say, oh, we just had this crisis. I'm like, cool. Why don't you just email me later? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Oh, I totally feel you because that happened to me two years ago or whatever. Yeah. Do you have any silly or funny or tough stories to share about how you've sort of migrated into being a, you know, day job side hustle person, anything quirky that you want to share? I always ask, I'm not getting a lot of it though. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know about quirky. I think about um, this idea of when you do like coaching, helping work with folks, you're constantly having to look at your own crap, um, like yes. your own stuff. Right. So uh, one of the things I, I thought about, so it is so often, I think, um, I don't know if you notice this with higher ed folks, uh, but a lot of us have, I've noticed anyway, worthiness and money stories. Yes. Um, you know, we're not really paid well. Uh, we kind of do things because we want to serve, we are passionate about things, but then the money doesn't really support that. So what's been interesting with that, um, is then you create a side hustle and you can charge your worth if you can get over your money story. So here's my, here's my story. Um, um, this has been a really tough lesson for me. Um, and so I was, uh, working with a new client. I had just increased my rates. Uh, we were on like our strategy call and I get to the end. I'm like, Oh, this is always so uncomfortable for me. This is when (laughs) I have to like do the like money part. Um, and so I start right away with, well, my website says this, but I don't know if I'm comfortable charging that. How about we do this instead? And she says, what? Like, well, what's your website say? And I tell her and she goes, you need to charge me your website rate. I'm like, oh, I just don't know. She said, no, you're worth it. And I'm going to help you have the confidence to charge what you're worth. So you're going to charge me your rate. Wow. You're not going to discount yourself and I'm going to help you build your confidence. So the next call you have, you don't even question it. You got coached by your coachee. <laughs> right. And like, it's amazing. This is beautiful. Like you are my ideal client. Right. Because like, talk about this reciprocal supportive relationship building. Right. Yes. And also how crappy that we have learned and internalized these money worthiness stories that like, I immediately started, I immediately discounted myself before the person even had a chance. Yeah. And I've told other people that story and they're like, oh yeah, I did that too. Or like, oh yeah, I do that all the time. Uh-huh. What? We have yeah. to stop this. I'm, I'm so with you on that. That is so, so true. I feel like it's one that is hitting home for higher ed folks. Yeah. Like what I call like a recovering, I'm a recovering academic. So uh, like we're trying to get out of these like higher ed stories. Isn't that funny? Um, I call myself a recovering housing professional. There you go. <laughs> so makes me crack Recovering up. higher ed folks. Yeah. Oh I'm going to create a rehab one of these days real soon. Yeah. Support group. Well, I will yeah. uh, join you in that endeavor. Tamara, where can people find you online if they want to work with you, check out your stuff, et cetera? Yeah. Um, uh, I have a website, uh, tamarayakoboski.com. Um, that's real easy to spell and say, as we know. So um, <laughs> there's that. I'm also on LinkedIn, of course, as a good higher ed person. I uh, love to connect and network with people there and Instagram. Um, T Yakaboski. I love to, uh, Instagram about, uh, a puppy and gardening and all the other things, you know, that nature can teach us to counter the high yeah. red and, and the busy work life. 
the finer things in life, the loving ourselves, yeah. the loving our life. Thank yeah, you totally. so much for carving time um, to hang out with me today. I really, really appreciate it. And friends out there, we have been chatting today with Tamara Yakabaski. And I will look forward to seeing all of you on the next episode of God Side Hustle. Hey, you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Got Side Hustle Show. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another episode. And if you want some bonus points, I'd love for you to leave a rating and review, or even better, share the show with a friend. Original music for the Got Side Hustle Show is composed and performed by Chris Corral. And I'd love to see you join me over at the Got Side Hustle community on Facebook. It's a free group and we kick around all kinds of things relating to our day jobs and our side hustles. Go to gotsidehustlecommunity.com and connect with us there today.